Hey, this is David Basin from War Orphan, and you're listening to Godless Heathens. Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. He died for our sins. That shall be his undoing. Hey, 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 what is going on here? Shocking. Positively shocking. That's just funny. <laughs> ah, fuck you. I love it when a plan comes together. Hey, come here. Hi. God damn it. Okay, now, uh, if by any chance I get, like, flustered, you know, when I'm hurling through space, and, and, and I pull the red one first. Oh, then you're going to wind up looking like a well-done chili burger. They're going to have to shovel you into a coffin. Fine. You bastard! Drop dead! I don't do requests. You remember one thing. You screw up just this much, you'll be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. I'm Larry. Fuck off, Larry. Um, cool. Well, uh, let's get rolling here. And, uh, let's do it. So, real quick... Um, how did War Orphan become a band? Well, it was, so, Richie and Dante are in New York. I left New York uh, 13 years ago now and moved to L.A. And at the start of pandemic, you know, they had a few songs, um, and we're just, you know, real life friends. We hang out and talk all the time. Well, we hang out when I'm in New York, but we talk all the time. Um, and they said, you know, why don't you give a shot to uh, barking on some of these? So we started and we really enjoyed the process and we just kept rolling. And we were doing, you know, uh, a song every <clears throat> I don't know, song every couple of weeks or something. So the first full-length album came together really quickly. Um, And I've got a buddy out here in L.A. who um, has helped us produce both full-lengths now, and I would just go over to his place, and it was really like a very typical kind of pandemic um, project, you know, like hobby project. Sure. Uh, But it turned out so well that we just kept going um and now we're we've just you know um on february 17th the second um the second full length will be out so it's really sort of you know taken over our time now from a musical thing uh are are you from california are you actually from new york i'm from canada oh canada okay even better even better I, I moved to um, I moved to New York uh, when I was uh, 24, and I stayed there for quite a number of years, and then moved out here. Uh, I can't believe it. This is the year where I've been in LA as long as I was in New York. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. So, and then barf bag. Do you still do that as well? Well, War Orphan has kind of taken over, actually. But Barf Bag was um, was also a, a, a pandemic project that I did with a couple friends. Um, Brian, who plays in the Dresden Dolls, and Kenny, who used to play in AWOL Nation. And we all really like 
you know, political street punk. So um, we uh, we made a we made a record um, again pretty quickly. Um, but War Orphan has become the main uh, the main focus, and we're having we're just having so much fun with it. And um, I'll be traveling to New York um, in about a month, and we're gonna. Uh, do you know Drew Stone and the New York Hardcore Chronicle? The New York Hardcore Chronicles um, show that he does. I'm not familiar with that. No. Um, he all throughout pandemic he did a weekly show <clears throat> that uh, most of us tuned into and watched, and then there's a series of um, he does a live a live series as well, and so he asked us to play um, in New York. April 2nd at our friend Jesse Mallon's bar, uh, Berlin. Um, and that's with, uh, uh, an old, um, California hardcore band called channel three, which I'm really excited about playing with. They rule. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I grew up, you know, listening to the Subhumans and the Dead Kennedys and Misfits and Ramones and Ramones being less yep. than the other stuff. I was more into like Black Flag and and I was a skater kid growing up in the eighties and uh, you know was Circle Jerks and and uh, was into all that. So if you've ever seen the movie Thrash and that was like I was obsessed I with that. it. I rewatched it about two months ago. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love. I'm friends with Bob Russler. And oh, wow. I just love the movie. I, I, but a lot of those, you know, the the dagger skaters were all like, you know, uh, Steve Stedham and Christian Hassoy, you know, all these guys that I liked when I was growing up as a kid. So. Oh yeah, well I, um, you know, I live in L.A., so I've been, I've been on the lookout for Eddie Radicky for uh, what seems like a decade. That was the first, uh, you know, it was the first pro model I ever rode. That's awesome. And it. To this day, it's my favorite shape, um, and he's my all-time favorite skater. And the growing up, like the Alva team, you know, they were they were rock stars, and they were so much cooler than you know, like you know, I don't, I mean, you don't want to break your own scene into teams or anything, but they just resonated so deeply with me, and so much more than you know, a lot of the. Um, a lot of the other teams, they like I was one hundred percent Alva Skullskates Zorlak. Like that, awesome. that is that is my bread and butter. You'll get a kick out of this. So my mom, you know, I was like, I don't know, thirteen, fourteen years old. She took me to an Alva demo in Florida, and it was Bill Danforth and then Eddie. And then Steve Stedham, and they get out of this car, and they're literally sitting there. Ask my mom if they if my mom wants a hit of a joint. My mom's a school was a school teacher, um, and then they're just skate. They sign my board, and I'm like this little like you know fourteen year old little little hoodlum kid, but you know basically pretty you know conservative family and i'm just kind of trying to do my own thing and they were really nice and i remember meeting all of them and and they're skating like this drainage ditch that was in fort lauderdale and then they drove off smoking pot and eating pizza from pizza hut like in their it was just so 
random and they're yeah, drinking beer and and, and all this in front of me and it was you know because they had like the Bones Brigade came there and stuff and I liked them too you know they brought them there and they brought like yeah. uh, a bunch of the Santa Cruz skaters and the Sim skaters remember I met Kevin Staub there at that at the same thing but it was funny because they the, the Alva guys were just like what you would imagine them being oh yeah you know yeah. B.O. And they're and they're wearing like vests with no shirt. It was great. I mean, they were like the the punk rock version of, of all the skaters, and I, I thought they were so cool. And uh, yeah, it, it was dude, neat. That, that that the Team Alpha poster. I mean, that might as well have like you know they were they were rock stars. They yeah. were. I mean, and and I mean, I I thought they were just so cool. And and of course, I was into all of that stuff as a kid, but. You know, it was. I tried doing ramp skating. I was never much of a street skater, um, and we used to skate pools and stuff and all this other stuff down in Florida. But you know, it wasn't like California. It was huge out there. It was where it came from and everything. And you know, I, I, I remember meeting some of those people. Like I remember when I met Lance Mountain. He was like the weirdest guy uh, of all the like pal skaters. He was like the most. That guy is legitimately just bizarre. He's a strange guy. He was strange back then. Like. You know? Oh yeah! Like even when you watch those movies, he's a weirdo, but like, like awesomely weird. Have you watched the the speaking of him? And I'll tell you to watch it just for the other skaters in it. Have you watched the Tony Hawk thing on HBO Max? Okay, so I grew up not liking Tony Hawk. Oh no no no! Watch the like, oh no dude dude no, no, but, no, no. Hold yeah on. I'll get I'm, t- I'm telling okay. you I I grew up not liking Tony Hawk and I. I was like, who is this, like, jock, like, you know, golden boy, you know, kind of ruining, you know, a perfectly good counterculture sure. sport. Absolutely. And then I watched, I watched that movie, and I love him. I, I totally misunderstood who he is as a person. I had the wrong impression of him. I... I, I watched. I called my friends after I watched the movie. I was like, "Wow, I misjudged that guy." Like, um, like, the, like my whole life. I think he's awesome, and I, I, I now am a huge fan. The cameos, though, is what I was going to say is the best part of it. Like Lance Mountain, that guy's nuts. Like I was, he's like, "I'm going to do this till I die," and I'm sitting there going, "I mean, it's really." It made me respect them even more because Caballero was like the same way, like on that documentary. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like these, I didn't know they still skated like that. I was like, God damn! Like if I tried to do that now, I'd be in the ER, you know? Yeah, and like, you know, if you were like, how much of you know how bad does Dwayne Peters come off looking in that movie? Yeah, you know, like, you know, if you're on Team Punk Rock, you're you you're 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 by default going to be like somewhat skeptical and thinking that probably Dwayne Peters was, you know, cooler than, than Tony Hawk, but it was actually totally the other way around. And I thought that was cool that where it shows Dwayne shift in the documentary, you know? Yeah, totally. I thought that was really cool. And, and yeah, but but you know what? I think I'm with you. I had the same impression of, I never had his decks, you know? No, I wouldn't be caught dead. I, I had a, I, I'll tell you the pal decks I had. I had a Lance Mountain, and I had a Tommy Guerrero. Guerrero's rad. And the Guerrero I broke, 
because it was more of a street deck, you know, and I didn't really... So I, the Lance Mountain deck with, like, the primitives running on it, you know, like, that was my deck. Mm -hmm. I had a blue one. Mm -hmm. And I every time I would break it, I'd get in it. And then when they brought Mike Vallely on, I was like, fuck yeah, and I, I've liked him ever since now. I love the yeah. elephant deck. I love that deck. and yeah. and But, you know, I was more like you. Like, I remember... Oh God, uh, Lacero! I remember having his deck, yeah. that deck, and yeah, sure. but I stayed. I, the, the only like I guess real popular skater that I liked was Hasoy, and I'll de I'll defend that guy to this day that I think he's he was very much punk rock. He was like a rock star, yes. like totally. That guy was fucking, uh, and you've seen all the you probably seen all the bullshit he got into and everything. It's like I mean he. Uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah, but he's, he started his own thing, and he's, I mean, he skated skull skates, and listen, <clears throat> I see that guy around L.A., and I say hello, and he is the nicest person, you know. I would shit if I met him. Yeah. <laughs> I would die. <laughs> I've just loved him, because it's a, it's a childhood thing. I remember being like 12, 13, 14 years old, and just thinking, God, I love these guys. And that's the funny thing, you know, ever since I was a kid, I, I met him when I was a kid, but I've never ran into, you know, any of these, like, uh, I would love to chat with him on a podcast, or, you know, any of those guys, Steve Caballero, Lance Man, I would love to talk to him, because I just think they're cool. I always thought, you know, like Gonzalez, that whole thing with him, the Gator guy, that, that's nuts. Have you ever read about all that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fucking crazy. So people to say that these guys weren't, like what you were just, they were, it was like a subculture punk rock thing. I mean, we grew up with that. You try to tell people that they don't get it. You know, they're like, what? You know? I tell friends of mine that are younger, and they're like, you know, what do you, what do you it's like you, you just had to be there, you know? Like it was, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. But, but yeah, I, that's so cool that you see Hosoi out there. It's so awesome. I, I remember, it's, it's stupid to, to tell you this, but I remember when I first got Facebook, I found him on there and sent him a thing. Of course, he's just like, I don't know you, and I'm not at, you know, and I was just like, God damn, it, was, it crushed me, because I was just like, it would have been so cool if he had added me when I, <laughs> because I was, I, 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 it was funny, I had friends that were into like musicians and, you know, movie stars or, or you know, whatever, and I'm a big comic book collector, but man... All the shit I love was like it was. It wasn't real. Spider Man's not real. You know, Batman's not real. But I remember being like the the the, the skaters that I liked. It was just it was crazy. And going to those demos was just you know it was just something that I enjoyed doing. And and it, it's so different. I remember they had all those skinny decks and all that. I, I wasn't interested in any of that stuff. And I you know, I just never. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I went off a tangent on that. But yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. I love that shit. Did you? Um, as far as music, when you, what were you into growing up, like punk wise, that you listened to? I was super, super into a lot of Canadian punk rock. Okay, I am not familiar, probably with. Oh my gosh! I grew up on um, Doughboys. Okay, okay. Um, I did not know they were Canadian. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Asexuals, SNFU, No Means No. Um, those are all my heroes because they would come through town right and you know the um the great thing about you know growing up in the punk rock scene is there really wasn't that much of a separation between the person on stage and you and they would stick around and talk to you afterwards and um you know you grow up in a certain scene and you get to you get to know people a little bit and um so 
Canada's uh, really, really big. You know, like sure. it's 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 an it's enormously big, and especially when you're in the van and you're you're touring, um, you know, it takes 24 hours to drive out of Ontario. Right. You know, like it's 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 it. You know, these big long stretches, but a lot of these bands, they would tour from east to west, um, because you know some of them didn't want to or couldn't deal with the border issues. So you would get you would get these um, bands doing Canadian tours where you know like a lot of times for American bands the Canadian tour is they they pop up to Vancouver then they go down and they tour in the states and then they pop up and they do Toronto and Montreal <clears throat> and then dip down into New York. Well, when I was a kid, I wasn't living in any of those cities. I was living like above North Dakota. Right. <laughs> and, um, like, you know, in Saskatchewan. So, you know, you and I are talking about skaters from when we were a kid. That seemed like a different world to me. They weren't at my disposal. I couldn't go and see a demo. Um, you know, Agnostic Front were guys on the back of a record who looked like they lived on another fucking planet. Sure. You know, because um, that was New York. That wasn't where I was from. It wasn't what I was doing. wasn't what I was living. Right. But who would come through every month or two, SNFU. Like, arguably the best live punk band of their, of their time. And No Means No, who are like these incredibly talented, like, jazz players who happen to have an affinity for punk rock and banged out some like just classic records but those were those were the people at my disposal like yeah like all all used to come through big drill car used to come through those guys really made um uh, a concerted effort to tour deep in canada and it paid dividends for them they were like those bands were like Led Zeppelin where I was from. Right. Um, uh, but but the, the staple of what I was exposed to were these Canadian bands touring Canada. And, um, you know, to this day, they are my favorite. Nice. Yeah, I never... I mean, I guess it's generic, the stuff that I was into, but that's what I was exposed to. You know, like I remember... And, you know, it was all part of the skateboarding stuff. Like... Yeah. You know, yeah, Dead Kennedys, like, Circle Jerks, all the stuff that I was into, it was all part of, you know, um, all of the stuff that I was into. And I'll tell you something else, as silly as this sounds, but I remember renting um, like skate competitions in the 80s that were like, you know, all these like different like mountainous regions out in California, all these different like skate contests and it would have all these different skaters from all these different companies that I love from the magazine and I would rent it from this skate shop down in, in Sunrise, Florida and I remember yes. they, would, they would play music in it and I would find out what the bands were and then I would go buy it. Like that's the first time I heard Susie and the Banshees and that's the first time that I heard um, oh god uh, oh what am I trying to think of uh, 
I can never think of the name I did of that the same, band, but I did the same thing, you know, like do you remember that there was like the, you know, Mount Thrashmore VHS? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Like all that yeah, like I totally would rent that. And then also you would get those Thrasher comps, you know? Like the, the well there was the rap music for rat people, but then all the like the Thrasher skate rock comps. I would get those and I would be like, What do you mean cabs? in a band yeah well i better get that or like you know like who is di you know like all like i it was really you know i mean it's funny because i i was so into all of that stuff and what was cab's band the faction that's it the that shit's great yeah it's great uh, it's totally great. It's and also impossible to find. Like I, I was trying looking going. for that. You're kidding me. There's, yeah, they, I think they played uh, uh, some cruise. You know, like one of those like punk rock cruises um, a couple years ago. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's what funny. I, it, what I, I get a kick out of is, you know. If, you know, you buy into punk rock really early, and then it sort of changes your DNA, right? Like once you once you see punk rock or hardcore or whatever, you can't really unsee it, and you can't unthink what you learned, right? right so exactly. you're kind of like a lifelong convert once you're once you're in. Um, but what's really fun is to watch all these people sort of become like elder statesmen and become part of a cultural lexicon like they've like all these people have sort of graduated to become like taken seriously for their contributions to culture right like that's that's a nice thing for all these people to be able to tap into when you know like you were saying like in that tony hawk um doc like lance mountain was saying like yeah, it hurts to skate now. Like, it hurts. I'm old. I'm an old man, but I'm going to keep doing it. Well, it also, you know, it hurts for these guys who aren't, like, spring chickens anymore to get out and tour. But they have achieved a certain amount of, you know, respect and, 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 and reverence to be taken very seriously for what they did as young people. And it's it's got cultural weight to it and that's like in you know look at all the people who i mean i would never have thought i'd be reading you know books by some of the people i'm reading books by you know like punk rockers are book worthy now that's That's true yeah it's fantastic i mean it's i couldn't be happier about that yeah, it's <clears throat> it's interesting. I don't I don't know. It's it's uh there was uh I don't remember where I was watching. It's it's like with so many other things. It it's funny because um I can look back on all of that stuff from the 80s and I and I smile, you know, where a lot of stuff that I was probably into at one or other point in times, I cringe, you know, but, um, that's one part of my life that I've, I've always kind of just held on to it. I don't know. It's like, I, 
Like I said, I would be a like you were talking about Hasoy. I would be a deer in headlights if I saw him in a fucking gas station, and it would probably freak him out. But it's it it's so surreal to me. It's like those people never existed. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, totally. Like, they were so larger than I, life to me as a kid. Even when yeah. I went to those demo things, you know, it was still just like they didn't exist. Yeah. And that's such a weird thing about living in Los Angeles. Like, it's... I, I don't know that I'll ever get used to it. Like, I I was walking out of a 7-Eleven and Tony Alva was in his pickup truck in the parking lot. <laughs> I was like... Whole, I, I just... I gave him a fists up and he looked at me like I was crazy and I just kept walking. I was sure. just like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, I don't know that I'll ever get used to it because like, like I said, I grew up in a different country, in a different culture, in a sure. different place where that stuff didn't exist. And, you know, my, my work and my life has brought me to LA where these people, you know, walk down the street yeah it's crazy i mean it's yeah i relate to that too because i'm telling you like my parents were very conservative uh my mom ended up they never got divorced but she separated from my dad over a whole big debacle that involved me but we ended up in florida and you know it was um you know it was it it was my way out. The skateboarding and the punk music was my way out of of their Christian shell that they tried raising me in and brainwashing me with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't resent them for that. It was yeah. something they were into, but it it was. I, I thank skateboarding for getting and and punk rock for getting me out of that uh, shell that. My mom tried to like magic shell that that chocolate shit they would pour on your ice cream and it would harden. It's like they were trying to do that to me as a kid, and I, I completely didn't. I just was never about any of that. I just wasn't. And I, I think skateboarding and 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 the punk music for getting me out of that bubble they tried to you know because right now we wouldn't be having this conversation. I would be a fucking lawyer or a surgeon or a goddamn cop or some kind of you know. I mean, like the town. So from from the time I was eight to the time I was eighteen, I lived, you know, in in a small town in Saskatchewan. There's like a couple hundred thousand people, right? Right. The 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 next city was a, a nine hour drive one way or a six hour drive the other way. So I, you know, my parents knew that their time in that particular place was was limited so they were going to move back to the east coast but um you know you grow up in a certain scene you got your friends that you play music with you know i had a girlfriend i didn't want to leave yada yada but i couldn't figure out the escape route like what you were just talking about right right so your friends are starting to go work in the factory your friends are starting to uh, try to go live in a different city. Your friends are trying to, you know, some of them are, you know, making bad decisions with, you know, substances and using that as an escape. And and all that stuff comes crashing down on you at a pretty young age, right? Like Absolutely. 
life decisions get either made for you or you make them when you are in your teens because there aren't that many options. So I was looking on the back of a big drill car record and I saw the name of a guy who was from my town. And I was like, oh, you know, that's the escape route. Like, okay, how am I going to get out of here? Well, I will move east and I will try to get into music. And it worked out for me. Um, you know, it never works out um, the way you plan. And, it, you know, you aim for one thing and it ends up being another. But music has absolutely been my escape route from what could have easily been like a super dead end, you know, uh, existence simply based on geography. So I switched up the geography and music music took me to Toronto and then it took me to New York and then to LA and it has supported me and my family for, you know, quite a long time. And, and that was like, by seeing, by seeing a dude's name in the credits on the back of a big drill car record like that, that was, um, super eye opening. Like, Oh, wait a sec. Yeah. That could be me that could be us that could you know we can do things it's not you know it's not these elevated gods it's dudes it's dudes doing rad rad shit so go do rad shit and something will work out and that was pretty much (laughs) that's the extent of the plan (laughs) i mean i love the story of that i mean because i'm telling you it's so relatable to me and we were in two different literally parts of the of the planet but I'm telling you, it was just, um, um, I, I remember specifically, and I never really thought about this till doing this with you today, talking about it, but it was my way out. I mean, skateboarding is what, is what mentally got me ready for the rest of my life, like, like dealing with nonsense and just knowing, just having the attitude, fuck you, I don't want to do that, and just kind of like, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, I don't want to work at a factory or a cell phone store or a hospital. You know, I'm not knocking the people that do that. I just don't want to fucking do it. You yeah, know? it wasn't for me. Yeah. I, that, that, you know, like, I mean, I know plenty of people who that, that provided a really good living for. Absolutely. And, and they were able to, you know, put food on the table, and, and th- it worked for them, but it was not my reality. I needed to get out and I my I used to talk to my dad and he's like well what are you gonna do what do you have a skill set and I'm like uh he's like you know why don't you go to law school and I'm like I just, that's not my reality either right you know like so my reality was being in and around music and like like I said like when I was in I was in seventh grade this kid this kid and I used to go to the same record store and he brought a record to school and he was, it was agnostic front cause for alarm. And he was like, listen, I bought this cause I liked the artwork on the cover. Right. I, I, I listened to it. This is not for me. Um, I think you might like it better. And he, he gave it to me. He gave me that in a Crumb Suckers record. Oh, cool. And um, 
I looked on the back of the of the of the album and the photo, like I was like, Vinny Stigma. Holy shit, that guy looks tough. Right. Like, oh my god. And they're standing in front of like a burned out building in New York. Like, what the hell is that like? And now fast forward all these years and you know, I'm playing in a New York hardcore band with Richie, who was in Sick of It All, and we just awesome, you know, like yeah, like I uh, like like it just I don't know, it's it's just yeah, it's like a, it's, things happen if you go out and do rad shit. I 100% agree with you. I'm sorry we didn't talk as much about this album. I hope we can chat again sometime. This thing's about to hang up on me, but. Thank you very much for the offer. It's very generous of you. Thanks for having me. Cracker Jack timing, Wang. Total concentration. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Take us out. Wedding, good sir. Brought a tear to me, I... I'll be quiet.